0: today it's all about sculpting with light with canon explorer of light blair bunting on behind the shot hi welcome to behind the shot i'm steve brazel and this is the show where we try and get inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion, all those stories and challenges that happen in between. This show, as with all the shows, you can find the show notes and a little thing that I wrote about my guest today and some shots, a small gallery of his work that you can see. Those are all at BehindTheShot.tv. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If your podcast destination or app of choice, your podcatcher supports video, it is available in audio only, or video format for example the apple podcast app that does support video if your app or destination of choice for getting your podcast does not support video that's okay we're on youtube as well if you are watching this on youtube i would like to ask that you head down hit the subscribe button click the bell do all of that type of stuff that way you know exactly what's happening and when you get all the notifications whenever i go live with uh, a show like this, or when I do one of the critique shows that I do with my buddy Don Komareczka that we're doing once a month, a bunch of critique images we take out of the Behind the Shot Flickr group. As well, something new today. Uh, today, we've got high def for the guest. and I want to thank my friends over at the DVE Store. DVE Store is a great place for you to get any of your audio or video needs, and they've set me up with a high def Zoom account, and I uh, can't say thank you enough. Uh, again, it's DVE Store, so go check them out. That brings me to my guest today. So my guest today is based in Arizona, uh, a photographer that specializes in portraits of athletes, generally for sports campaigns, but also celebrity portraits. And believe it or not, even trains. I want to welcome Blair Bunting to the show. Blair, how are you? Not too bad, man. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing really, really good. We've talked on the phone before, so I feel like I kind of know you. I did not expect... A non-virtual tree backdrop, folks. That is not a virtual zoom backdrop. That's the real stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, this is uh, this is our house up, and it's in the forest of northern Arizona. Um, we kind of hop back between Scottsdale and Flagstaff, and now we're going to Flagstaff full time. Which, um, uh, I'll be honest, it's quieter in the forest just because uh, I have a, a little four-year-old who uh, raises all types of hell inside, and so. You can actually understand what I'm saying right now without a kid screaming. So it's wonderful. And well, I'm probably the most relaxed I've been all day.
0: <laughs> and I got to tell you, looking at your background is kind of relaxing me a
1: little bit. It's, it's, it's and I've cool. been
0: to Flagstaff. I, we were yeah. talking, you know, before we went live. Uh, I, I have friends that have lived in Flagstaff and my niece went to school in Flagstaff. So yeah, yeah. beautiful area. I want to start somewhere because I introduced you as a Canon Explorer of Light. And that's something that, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, is fairly new, right?
1: uh yeah i think a couple weeks back um it's uh, it's kind of a crazy story um but they actually Flagstaff, like we were just talking about weaving with the forest um they uh they called me um about a month and a half ago and they said you know uh would you like to be a cannon explorer of light and i said uh yeah but i need you guys to hold up on sending the legal to me right now because there's a forest fire approaching our house and we're being evacuated <laughs> so uh that's one of the downsides of living in the forest, but yes, it is peaceful when you are up here. Sorry, I told tangent, but yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. But but see, it's interesting to me because you get this call, you've got to tell them, no, 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 please call back. <laughs> right? Yeah. And sorry, at the same guys. time, as long as you've been doing this, mm-hmm. when, when Canon calls and yeah. says they want you to be an explorer of light, which uh, I've had a ton of Canon explorers of light on this show, And I tell people all the time, it's the elite of the elite. And all the camera brands have, you know, Nikon has ambassadors, Fuji has ambassadors, Panasonic has theirs. But when you're talking in those programs, and in this particular case, Canon Explorers of Light, you're talking the elite of the elite. So you work really hard all your life, you get to this level where you've got clients that are, you know, arguably something that people would highly respect. Yeah and you get this call to be a Canon Explorer of Light. What does that kind of mean to you in your head as that happens?
1: Um, to be honest- is This is um, something that's not gonna to
0: happen to me. So I'm, kind of, I'm gonna live vicariously through
1: you. I've been, um, I've been very fortunate. Um, I've actually received that call three times. Um, I was an ambassador for Nikon. Um, for a number of years, and then an ambassador for Hasselblad. And so um, it's a call that I knew uh, very well. Um, But it's kind of a, it's an interesting relationship. It's an interesting experience because it's not, I think a lot of people would probably think of being brought on as an ambassador to Canon as a, you know, a business thing. But I genuinely kind of look at it as it's, um, it's a conduit to try and help other photographers learn. Like I I don't like social media all that much. I, I spend as little time as possible on it. So when they gave me the opportunity to join uh, their program, um, I looked at it as a way to get help to help teach other people how to kind of either do what I do or, or help educate them on approaches that can better their photography. Um, I just I didn't want to go into it as a as another program to try and see how popular or famous I could be. It's it's strictly is let me see if I can help them develop cameras um, to really benefit photographers on set or trying to improve their career. And and from there, um, any kind of other way that I can be a part of their family is is really what it's about, Um Yeah, it was a weird call, obviously, with the day being the way it was. But um, truth be told, it was a long time in the process. Um, It started, uh, they started talking to me right before COVID started. Um, So January, February of uh, 2020.
0: 2020,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we developed a relationship. And the thing that uh, really is something that's very important to me is um, with some of their people, their... Their high ups and their marketing and engineering team um while everything was going on in the world um we text and we called each other to see how our families were doing and and how um how mentally we were hanging in there and and when you have uh that relationship with anyone in this industry uh, um, there's there's no i mean let's in the most basic of form, I'm glad to take pretty pictures for them, but more importantly, I'm glad to have somebody who I can talk to about a camera just as much as I can talk to about raising a four-year-old.
0: Well, and and you bring up a good point. And again, I've had, I've had Nikon ambassadors on here. I've had Fuji people with Karen Hutton yeah. and, uh, you know, I work with Panasonic people with Don Komarechka and, and people like that all the time. Yeah. One of the things I love about the, the Explorers of Light program is kind of what you said. I think that the people, because I've met a lot of the people in it, that's why I have a lot of explorers on here is I, I know some people that are involved. Yeah, And they really honestly are people who care about the education side. Yes, this all these ambassador programs are a marketing tool, let's be honest, but yeah. how you use that matters. And Canon really does put, it, put these explorers out there, people like yourselves, for an education point of view, I was looking at your website, and at the bottom of your bio on your website, yeah, you have a bunch of awards listed. Yeah, I've got one some. of those awards I gotta ask you about because it says that you had an Emmy nomination. I did.
1: Um, i that was actually kind of a weird one. Um I got asked um, about shooting a Super Bowl commercial and i told the people that i didn't do video and they said we'd like to see if you can learn how to parallax uh, a shot and so i would spend days and nights reading and studying how to do it and we uh, we made a super bowl commercial where these uh, i think it's out of uh, seven images are parallaxed and made into motion and um it somehow it worked out um it was i'm trying to think it was rocky mountain Emmys or regional i don't remember but it was kind of funny because um I did the commercial and I was I was really happy with it. I thought it was kind of beautiful. And um, then the client took me out to wine and they're just like, hey, um, by the way, um, the Emmys are going on this coming weekend and you're nominated. And so, yeah, I didn't really know what to do. Um, it's just I not
0: think, an award that that most photographers will ever hear, oh, you're nominated
1: for. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, I was... You know, it's kind of one of those things that um, it, it meant a lot. I don't don't take awards lightly, um, but it, it's it's also so. I guess the best way to say it is um, for advertising photographers, comm arts, communication arts. That's where it's at, and you always want to try and win that or whatever. And if you can, cool. And right. archive is another one, and um, I I won both of them in the same few months and uh i was really proud uh, and i came home to my mom and i said you know mom i uh uh, i i won calm arts and she said that's really really great did you remember the pick up the ketchup (laughs) and that's kind of how it's always been like i i remember that night the emmy nomination was cool um but i i really remember the wine more um we had a white uh wine um from northern italy called uh it's called g-a-v-i so it's a gavi not a gavi but a gavi right. is the type of wine and 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 i always hold that relationship or those times more special than Ward's. uh i've been fortunate to have a few some of them and uh and it does mean a lot and i don't take them lightly but at the same time they don't make who i am but you said something about your mom That
0: leads me again back to your bio. Okay. So according to your bio, your dad gave you, when you were younger, high school Mm -hmm. or whatever, a 1972 Nikon F body. Still have it. And yeah, (laughs) and it even says that you still have it on your desk to, to remind you of things, which I think is really cool. Yeah. But as you're looking back at that Nikon F, one of the things that it made the comment of was very early on, you clearly found a love for the art of it. Right. I'm curious (laughs) when, when, when your dad gives you a Nikon F way back when, yeah. what was that trigger? Right. In other words, they give you the body. What, what is it in your head that made you go, Oh, this is for me. What was it? Composition? Was it the technical end of it?
1: Um, no. Um, I think it was, um, my relationship with my father. Um, I um, have always been. When I was growing up, I was a diver, and I was supposed to go to college for diving. Um, and uh, I dro- I stopped diving because I just didn't enjoy it anymore, and it was upsetting to my parents. Um, and uh, they wanted me to go. I had earned uh, scholarships to actually go to college for it um but i had lost the love for it and uh and so it was just it was this kind of downtrodden time where i kind of felt like i let them down and then my dad um I, I took a high school uh photo class and we needed a camera and so my dad sat me down and he said here's the camera that i had when i was in college um if you want to any help with it, um, I'm here. And it was the first kind of idea of not even career path, but just some kind of passion where it was just like something that was from, I I loved it because it was something that I was allowed to choose about going into it, but yet have the support of my family because uh, my, my mom and dad have always meant a lot to me. And so that was the first catalyst to falling for that camera and falling for photography um from there it was the idea of being able to kind of express um how i saw the world um like i said um i'm actually really shy um, and we'll eventually uh come out with an article talking about autism um but i do i am on the spectrum on that and that's been something that's been all my life kind of closed off and so being behind a viewfinder has been a really amazing thing for me because I can talk to people that I wouldn't normally be able to talk to by showing them images. Um, And yeah, that, that camera was and is still more than just a camera. It's, it's just a way for me to be able to have conversations with people I might be scared to approach.
0: Which, which gets us actually to today's shot because I've watched videos of you on set okay and so i'm in front of people all the time right i'm on stages i'm yeah. seeing th- something or or I, i've been a radio for you i'm used to being in front of people yeah and yet even with that there are times when i'm photographing somebody and it's it's uncomfortable you look so freaking relaxed on set it's wild i love being on set, I love being on set. It, and it shows <laughs> i'm telling you it shows but then you bring in somebody like mike tyson yeah and mike tyson to me has multiple personas, right? He has the, the, the famous boxing persona that everybody is aware of. Yeah. But then he's also got the, the television movie persona where he's actually funny and seems like a real down to earth guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing when you're on set, making this photo that you were still comfortable or were you intimidated or, or starstruck or anything like that?
1: I, um, that's one of my really lucky things. Um, I don't get starstruck. Um, at all. And that's probably why I can do my career. Um, it's weird because um, when I go to set, I am there to, uh, to create and it's something that's very special to me. Um, so I go, like with Mike Tyson, and um, I'm going there, I'm excited, um, because he's got a really good form and a character that i wish or that i feel like i could express in the image but as far as the idea like oh my gosh it's mike tyson um he's just a another individual that i have the fortune of spending time with and so uh you know he's just as important to me as um a story about you know I've, I've, when i was in college i uh, was an intern at the newspaper and so you'd meet all walks of life and I I hold all of them valuable because, you know, you never kind of never know what you're going to get yourself into with a photo shoot. And sometimes you can really expect one thing out of a person and be let down, or you can go into a photo shoot and, um, uh, trying to think how deep you want to get on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I will tell a quick story and it's not one I've actually ever told, um, in an interview. But um, so um, I, when I was working with the newspaper, um, I was called out to do a photo shoot of a police officer's daughter who had a um, inability to speak because her vocal cords hadn't developed. And um, uh, it was far away. It was kind of this idea of a picture of a father and his daughter. It, it, it was a very common kind of story, not that specific one, but the idea of it wasn't too original. Um, and so I went, you know, Saturday morning, I think I drove about 45 minutes to get this gentleman's house. And, um, you know, you expect nothing of it. And further backstory for me, and probably some of my reclusiveness is um, when I was in high school, I lost my girlfriend in a car accident. And um, it very, or sudden it was, uh, actually I guess my girlfriend, my best friend in a correction, And, um, there wasn't a lot of closure. I always wanted to know more, but I didn't know what that would, um, entail and what I would need to go look for, but it always stuck with me. And I get to this officer's house and, uh, we discuss, you know, just pleasantries and whatnot. And he tells me he's a police officer. And he, uh, had started on the force doing just the beat cop kind of thing. And then he moved on to accident investigation and he turned out to be the individual who had done that investigation. And, um, I had a conversation with him that gave me closure to probably one of the most significant events of my life. Right. And, um, and was able to take a photo of he and his daughter, who ended, which ended up raising the money for her to have an operation. And at 12 years old, she was able to speak for her first time. So there are times when you go into it with expectations that are maybe not so much, but you have to be open because, you know, life could happen.
0: When you take that kind of life experience that you just described. Yeah. And you bring that into a commercial job like this yeah i'm assuming and maybe assuming wrong but i'm assuming that those those personal stories in your lives those those color everything that we do in our lives right we we bring our history with us to everything yeah when you come in to photograph a celebrity like this and you realize that their life is is full of those kind of difficulties their life yeah. is not, they can't go out on the street, all those things, all the, all the difficulties everybody has, and it's magnified by celebrity. Does that yeah. affect how you work on set?
1: Knowing that, that one, background of you now? No. I mean, my biggest thing, I mean, a goal on set every time is to just make sure that, um, you know, a lot of people, I think where that we're going back real fast, that star idea, a lot of people kind of go in and, and. Put the celebrity above anyone else on set. And all reality is we're all equal. Um, My assistant, myself, my celebrity, the producer, the client, uh, we're all the same on set. It's just people doing a job. Yeah. And so I treat the celebrity with the idea of, hey, um, uh, my goal is usually to make sure that they can get home to dinner with their family that night and myself as well. Um, and, and I've had that conversation many times with them. It's kind of funny because you end up having, um, and in going into it with an honest, just quest to make sure that they can be with their kids or wife or whoever, um, you end up leaving with a relationship and it's kind of funny, uh, how many people that I photographed that would, are celebrities or whatnot that end up being, um in my phone because I, I, I don't want to, I don't watch sports. I don't want to know who's going to win the next game or don't want to talk about, Oh, why didn't you do X, Y, Z at your last event? Um, I am more likely to say, or ask like, where's a good sushi place. Right. Um, and, uh, and on that note with the, how, how they can't go out, like, my wife and I have gone on. Uh, we've been on double date with uh, one of my uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's a football player, one of my friends, and um, and I've seen it firsthand. Actually, randomly, now that we're saying this sushi restaurant, um, but I, we were at a really nice sushi restaurant one night, and um, walking out, and people are yelling his name and everything, and and uh, yeah, I, I genuinely have that kind of. I feel not. I don't want to say you pity someone or you feel bad for them, but like i but you have an understanding of it at least yeah like yeah. i wish that yeah i wish that 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 they could experience uh life in the way that a common person does but i, I just don't think it's possible
0: no and it's it and it's not but that's the thing like i say when yeah. i've seen video of you on set yeah and then i look at your finished product like this i get it right you're you're so relaxed on set and it, like i when i photograph trade shots or meet and greets or whatever with, yeah. with bands or artists, it's the same thing. To me, um, you know, I have people always ask, you know, do you take a selfie with them? No, I'm there working. I'm not fanboy at that time. They're doing a job and I'm doing a job and and that's the overall goal. But you still have to do the job, right?
1: Yeah. And And in your particular
0: case with this, go ahead. What were you saying?
1: Oh uh, I was just no, no, finish your your thoughts, sorry.
0: No, no, no. I was just gonna say you've got to you've got to control all of these things. The celebrity in the room and and the shoot, mm-hmm. looking yeah. at the XIF data on this shot, yeah, it shows spot metering on a one DX Mark two, uh, Mark yeah. three. Okay, or is it no? It's two. It's two. You're right. Okay, it's so two. it was a two. So I think spot metering. Focus. <laughs> why spot metering on this when um, you're clearly
1: using flash? No. So that was um, the metering once you actually dial in, um, so when you're using uh, strobes that are separate from the camera, so not a predetermined like a ETTL or anything, um, the metering on the camera doesn't matter. You're actually right. going off of the meter on a light meter. Um, okay. So you do use so, a handheld. Oh yeah. I live by those. Um, I I know okay. a lot of people, There's there's some photographers that will tell you that you don't need one, but I love them. I um it's a very important tool for me just because i think very mathematically about my lighting and um and so seeing digitally the the numbers that we're at and where we're at with uh you know the ratios uh, that 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 means a lot to me in prepping or in in being on set so this one yeah metered in and then the metering on the camera really did doesn't matter okay so the rest of the exif data and correct
0: me if I'm wrong on anything, mm-hmm. it, it showed manual makes sense.
1: Manual focus. Yep. I, the XF I manual data focus that was
0: In it did not show your white balance setting. Do you care about it? Cause you're shooting raw. You can change it afterwards. Or do you worry about setting your white balance in camera?
1: Most likely it would have been set to flash. Um, okay. really the one D mark two was kind of on the early cusp of, if you were really going to be dialing Kelvin, um, Nowadays, it's a lot easier. I do shoot on Kelvin, um, but I, I remember this one was probably just, probably the the, the uh, white bounce would have been set to flash just because I knew I was going to be under no ambient light whatsoever. Okay, which then brings me to this.
0: Yeah. 250th of a second, which I'm guessing is that's the sync speed and yep. you wanted to kill all the ambient. F-16, I'm guessing that's because you wanted to get all those ropes in focus too. Yep. ISO
1: 100. And yeah. it shows
0: 50 millimeter, but I don't know which lens it was.
1: Um, It's one of two. It's either uh 50 one four or an 85 one two. I can't remember, honestly, on this one. It probably shows the 514.
0: It does show 50 okay. millimeters. It just doesn't show which lens it is. It's so, probably a
1: 514 because this shot is before the 1.2 came out.
0: Okay. So then that brings me, I'm going to describe this shot for the audio viewers in a second, but before okay. I do, I am curious because you also mentioned the 85 and the 85 obviously is a super popular portrait lens. Yeah. Popular wedding lens, popular everything lens.
1: Had 13 of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, started the 85 one too, um, with the original Mark ones, um, when I was in college and I, I didn't come from money. And so I didn't really have a way to uh make a lot other than buying and selling camera gear and so i would just buy a lens and every once in a while if i was able to find someone to, to sell it to it a little bit more i would and so i've gone through the 85 one twos uh i knew them very well very very close to it, me it's um, a gorgeous lens and, and i have the new one lens. now too i love it
0: but you did this with yeah they have the rf but yeah. you did this with a 50 and i'm curious on the 50 millimeter do you do you like 50 millimeter generally for portraits or would you normally favor the 85? now? And, and why, I guess a bigger question is what, what is your deciding factor? What's in your head when you go, you know what? I want a 50 for this shot.
1: It usually comes down to what is the focal length that tells the story that I need to tell. Um, for him, I needed this imposing chest, um, obviously sprayed down and I, I wanted the, you were to actually read it up to his eyes. Um, so you have to go through his muscles first. Um, and so a 50 would have probably brought us in too close on that. Or, I'm sorry, an 85 would have brought us too close. Um, when I was shooting this style, um, I was on primes. And so I'd carry a 35, 45, a 50, an 85, a 135, um, and sometimes a 200, 180. Um, but it was just kind of always what the uh the shot needed for what focal length I chose. Um and now I shoot a little bit on Zoom's uh 2470, 2870. Uh but I also still carry the 85 and the 50 RFs uh in the bag just because you know it's 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 they're just tools like kind of paintbrushes, and telling the story of that image is uh just as much as what your eye, what what millimeter your eye sees as it is, how you light it. I, I have to go back to something you said because I am stuck yeah. on this. Okay. You
0: made the comment, I wanted the 50 because, and I wanted it, him to look imposing, so you're shooting lower. Again, folks on yeah. audio, I will describe the shot in a minute. My apologies, but I'm, I'm stuck on this now. <laughs> and you said, I wanted it to look like you had to go past his muscles before yeah. you got to his face. On set, you're thinking that
1: detailed? Uh, no, before. Um, so I knew that obviously your your eye, so I shot this when I was, God, I want to say 19 or 20. I was in college. Um, uh, I actually had to have my, this is, this sounds like fun. Um, I had to have my parents pick me up from my dorm room um, and go back to their house for a, a night so that I could actually practice lighting on my dad um, and then drive over with their car to uh, the photo shoot with Mike the next morning. Um, but no, the way I always kind of looked at light is, um, where there is less detail or less light, um, you kind of start, but you usually then end up where there's the most. And that's why, if you look, it's a kind of a natural gradient that starts from his waistline, but you work through his chest muscles. Um, and then you get to his eyes and that tattoo that everyone knew. And so I had planned early on that you know the the lighting is going to try and drop about three stops by the time it gets uh, below his, his elbow line with his arms crossed and uh, and so the way you you do that is your source has to be extremely defined and not as diffused because with uh, your inverse square law it's going to fall off a little bit faster. You could technically go after it with a 45 and shoot a little bit wider and then tilt it so that shine Fluke would affect it and you would actually blur it up. But with lighting, it was a little bit easier for it to be more of a literal story. I, I love this. Okay, so
0: for those of you on audio, I'm gonna take a second and I'm gonna describe uh, this photo to you since you're probably driving. I don't want you going to the website and looking at it right now. That would probably be a bad uh, yeah. thing. Please don't If you yourself, wanna find, guys. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please just drive safe. Or pull over. You could do that too. But (laughs) if you go to the website, which is behindtheshot.tv, you can find something that I've written about Blair. You'll find a small gallery of his work. And in that gallery is this shot. So when you're done listening to the audio version, you can jump on over and, and take a look at Mike Tyson standing in a boxing ring. His arms are crossed across his chest. And there are three ropes behind him and he looks super super sweaty although it's kind of fine dot so i'm guessing it's a spray bottle and i think you just mentioned spray too
1: it's a combination of both actually um if you want a fun little story for this one again um i showed up to the shoot with my assistant and um so we have our gear uh which at the time was some pro photo cute gear and then obviously cameron our canon cameras and um we showed up to the uh the boxing ring where he was and uh knock on the door and um this random like really sc- just a guy that just looks kind of creepy kind of answered the door and uh he said uh what do you want i said i'm here to photograph mr tyson and uh, he said well where's the photographer and when's the rest of the crew show up?" and i said i i'm the photographer sir and this, this my friend is my assistant here and this is our gear said bring it in real fast he's gonna he's gonna warm up and um so i said okay so we brought the gear in we didn't get the setup and mike walks out and he starts boxing and they ask us you know well, we, we need you guys to leave and so we were like okay so uh, how long does he practice before we come back or whatnot because this is in phoenix arizona it's 110 degrees out in the summer and um and he's like sometimes an hour and a half sometimes four or five hours so we're like, so we have to just, this is before smartphones. So okay, we're just going to stand outside in a shady part of town, this random boxing warehouse and um, with all of our gear inside. And so, yeah, for about an hour and a half, we just stood there in the sun cooking and uh door opens up and he said, uh, Mr. Tyson's ready to be photographed. So actually some of the sweat that you're talking about is actually real. Um, he had just done a workout, but we probably added a little bit to it. I I, I can't remember exactly too much on that part. Well,
0: the sweat looks totally real. It's yeah, just there's a be. lot
1: of it all over his arms
0: and, and his, his body and everything. He sweats he's sweat's pretty big. I mean, he's he a lot. looking. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, Mike, it's Mike Tyson. He yeah. is looking. This is what's so wonderful about this. When you said, and why I got stuck on, you're, you're, you're looking past his arms and his chest muscles to get to his eyes, and you can't not get to his eyes because he is staring right down the barrel of the lens at you. And I mean, with that Mike Tyson, not the fun hangover movie, Mike Tyson. This is the Mike Tyson that's been boxing. He's wearing black boxing shorts. There's silver trim around the top. And I mentioned that the ropes are behind him and because of the the aperture, they're completely visible. Right Mm -hmm. at the top of his head is a red one. Right below is, or behind his neck is a blue one. And then behind his chest is a red one, which based on the angle is why they're so high. But even then, the red one seems high. Is he sitting here?
1: He's standing in front of a ring. So the ring's actually elevated. Oh, he's outside so, the ring. Yeah, okay. his uh, his probably where those shorts are, maybe a little bit below that, is where the actual standing part of the ring would be. So he's actually okay. in front of it. Now, the lighting.
0: Yeah. Lighting from both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where that, I, I started this out by saying sculpting with light. This is where when I saw the way you've sculpted his arms and his chest and and the sides of his face, this is sculpting to me the way that somebody working with clay creates shadows with a 3D. They know as they're sculpting that clay, the way the shadows are going to come out. And that's what I see here. The the, the lighting that you've done, which uh, again, for those on the audio, it appears to be uh, two light sources, upper left, upper right. We'll find out in a minute. And it creates a very small shadow underneath the chin. But what it does is it lets you have no shadows on the sides of this massive, thick boxer's neck. And again, the camera angle, the camera is almost waist high, shooting up to make him look super, super strong. So let's, let's dive into that lighting. The way you've sculpted his... His shoulders, like there's a shadow on the front of his shoulders, but he's lit on the top. Just yeah. makes him look like a G.I. Joe here. He's a pretty big guy. <laughs> what did you do lighting-wise? How many How many lights is this? Two?
1: Uh, this is uh, seven lights with eight sources. I'm sorry, what? It's seven lights with eight sources. It's actually kind of early on how we were developing. I mean, this is... With some of the stuff that we're shooting now, I mean, you're kind of in that 30 light range. But this was when I was still kind of learning how to refine uh, my lighting, and um, so it, it's um, so yeah. You have uh, two hard lights with reflectors over the top, so that you make sure that that fall off's quick. Um, and then on each side, you have a softbox that actually paints in where his his abs are, I guess more or less you would say. Um, then you have uh, an overhead octa which is kind of a little bit 45 camera right um, with a beauty dish over directly head and then a a soft bounce actually put in a little bit on the bottom part of his elbows. Oh, wow.
0: Okay, so the setup for this, you had practiced it elsewhere, brought it here, set it up or did you have your assistant stand in as you fine tuned it?
1: Well, I I wanted to kind of plan it out. And so I watched some boxing videos to try and see what his shape like overall looked like try and get an idea of it um and then uh going after that i I just had my dad stand in my my parents house and uh photographed him in the living room for an hour so um the the idea obviously my dad doesn't look like mike tyson um but the human form is is pretty uh similar I guess if you kind of look at what the expression is we're we're going less for how to form a person with a Rembrandt lighting and more for how to make him look moody and a little bit scary um and so yeah that was that was the approach that really started it and then yeah we set up all lights the house took them all down and then went to the uh the warehouse where we photographed him and set up all the lights and um we probably fired off a test shot or two I'm pretty sure we did actually because um most of the times you want to make sure that everything's working. I mean, beyond the idea of a test shot to find out refined lighting, because no one's Mike Tyson size, you're more or less trying to make sure that everything's on time, like as far as sync and that there's no lights that are misfiring. So do you remember, you mentioned
0: ratios earlier. Do you remember what ratios you would have, would um, have had these well, seven lights you, at?
1: If you think about it, um, the Canon one D Mark two, um, I think was really good for about 11 stops with seven being pretty interpretable, but really wanting to be about three and a half to three point, or 3.75 uh, for your functional dynamic range. And so mm-hmm. your entire lighting scenario would have been around that. Um, you would have probably based it at 16, which is what you said the exposure was at. So if your kickers are at 16, you want your key to be at 11, your small fills to be at 5.6, and your bounces to be about four. With usually that balance right down the middle of his face being about eight. Okay.
0: Off the top of your head. Dude, yeah.
1: I love that. So it's, it's a I don't know if it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Trust me, it's a phenomenal thing. I dig that. So okay. last but not least, I want to yeah. get into composition because okay. you know, as as photographers. You know, we talk about composition all the time and you can you can have a great shot that has bad composition, and you can have yeah. great composition with a really bad shot. However, when the two meet, when you have yeah. a great shot that is properly composed, that's when you get into that that realm of art. When you yeah. get into that realm of creating something that is is um I don't even know the words I'm looking for. When when you are creating something I think that that has an easier time conveying a story or a message to a viewer is when those two are in sync the technical aspects the compositional aspects are all together and in sync and here the composition adds to the sculpting of the body you sculpted with the light but then if you just move this camera up to eye level all those shadows would feel differently by lowering the camera to waist height and shooting up, like you said, shooting across the muscles to get to the eyes, which again, people, just look at the eyes, all right? Just, you'll see what I mean. When you're doing your composition, yeah. are you, and even where the ropes intersect, by the way, right? Yeah. Had one of those ropes been coming out of his ears, it's the same shot, completely ruined.
1: Yeah, right? that's true.
0: What are you thinking about either before or after with your composition and people in an environment? right? Because this environment could have hurt
1: the shot. Well, I mean, you have to think quick. Um, and I, it just kind of has to, I, I, for, oh God, having to sound uh, romantic about this, but it has to be natural. I guess. Um, I, I shot six frames of this shot and, uh, we only spent maybe about a minute on it. Um, and then we went to the next set. Um, so I just had to kind of know going in there where the eye read all the way through. Um, it's not like I drew out the shot and said, this is what it will be like, because we need him to be this level or this elevation. And we're going to bring an apple boxes. If he's too short or if he's too tall, I'll bring an apple box and stand on it. Um, with this situation, you kind of look at what the environment reads and you say, does my eye go to his eye through the camera? Because you have to remember, if you're seeing this shot right here, like you are, this is out of camera, essentially. This is There's not like a composition or a comp or anything. This is just one shot. Um, if you're seeing this shot, that's what you're seeing through the camera. And so I had to make a decision when using the camera that, okay, this is, this is a very um, impactful shot and his expression's right. Um, this is one of probably the few shots we could get him to where he wasn't laughing and uh really yeah he's a fun guy that. we had a that. good time like it's meeting Mike Tyson is is fun just because he's a happy person um and what was so neat is when you shake his hand his hand one hand encompasses your whole, whole hand he, he literally has wrecking balls for hands and you have to realize at that moment maybe I think it's just almost synapses just fire in your brain like these are the hands that someone felt and God, did they have to hurt? Like it is, that was the most memorable part of that entire photo shoot. Sorry. I completely got distracted. I apologize. No, 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 um,
0: dude, I'm loving this. So yeah. portrait orientation. Yeah. Why? Vertical
1: grip. I love them. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Fair enough. I'm. What just makes you I, choose? Cause
0: a lot of your stuff, I've seen a lot of your celebrity stuff. That's I landscape.
1: Yeah. So, Well, actually, so you'd be amazed. Um, There are a lot of things that I shot vertical, like, for example, the River Monsters. That was a shot that we were fortunate to do in Florida. We won Arts with it. It was a lot of lights kind of thing. And it's displayed everywhere as horizontal, Um, but it's a vertical shot.
0: (laughs) Well, what what makes you choose one or the other? Um, What's in your head on this
1: one that you, you...
0: you didn't want to show more environment, and you wanted to close those walls into
1: was that to make him more imposing? It's honestly, with this one, it's probably determined by the, the focal length of the lens. If I really wanted to go too horizontal, I'm going to lose too much information that tells the story. And so I, what I probably did was I could probably came in and said, and also, I mean, even with 50 millimeters, uh, you're kind of looking at a little bit of possibility for distortion along those ropes. And when they have right. to be straight lines, that will really confuse a, viewer, a viewer's eye pretty quickly. So what are you using for processing software-wise? um this one was probably just put into um i don't know if lightroom actually existed at the time um probably just a photoshop cs3
0: what do you use now
1: um cs6 or whatever i don't know what the i i don't really like photoshop. I but, it, kinda... but but you're a
0: photoshop or lightroom user now
1: i don't use lightroom um okay, so a photoshop user. but um but yeah i i kind of yeah photoshop is is the main tool. I wish there was another alternative The the truth be told, um, with campaigns now that we're shooting, um, and the production's getting so big, um, like this one, this is myself and my friend. Um, and now we have photo shoots where you have 60 to hundred people on set, literally assistants, crews, grips. Um, I mean, I did a photo shoot in China a couple of years back where I had, six or seven guys that were full-time just on stilts and just to build the backdrops. And, uh, you know, there's a photo shoot that's probably almost a hundred people on that production. So the post-production side of it is not really handled by the photographer anymore. I mean, there are some guys that will shoot and do their own post-production and the the sad reality is that it's kind of like shooting video and still at the same time, like one of them has to give, um, I've accepted that my Photoshop skills are not that great. Most of the stuff that you see in modern work for me is actually dialed in. And um, the overall treatment is uh, from an iPhone (laughs) or an iPad. And then I'll send it to my post-production team and say, here's kind of what, and then we'll tweak it around. And yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times that like even with uh, some of the train shots, we'll get them close and uh, I'll get something sent over and say, okay, this is what approximate meant right here. And I'll have to like stop the car in a parking lot either and have my wife drive or I'll sit in the parking lot, actually adjust it on my phone and send it right back to him.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, again, it's amazing what you can do. What but with this one, done- this is all
1: me. Yeah, <laughs> Like this is what just, what would
0: you have done to this shot though?
1: Not much. Um, honestly, the biggest thing is, is, Some of the old sensors, there's, I mean, 1D2 was one of the earlier CMOSes. I mean, the uh, 1D original was a CCD and I think the 1DS Mark 1 was a CMOS, but 1D2 was probably earlier on too. And you kind of always had a sensor that wanted to favor itself, maybe about 1200K towards a warm side. And so what you're doing is you're balancing the lights by canceling out false lighting. Uh, either from sensor read or specular highlights on there, especially with this, one, there's so much specular highlights because there's so many sweat, sweat right. spots. Um, so you're just trying to neutralize that and, and make it to where you're reading his skin as skin versus sometimes it used to go a little bit kind of closer to the yellows and even in the magenta range.
0: Okay, so speed round time. Oh, okay. A
1: yeah. couple of questions.
0: Yeah. Super fast. Just answer whatever comes to your mind. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be fun. And and so that everybody knows, I don't warn people about these questions, although sometimes people can guess them because they're kind of obvious. But first of all, okay. your top tip, like helicopter view of your top tip for somebody that's going to go photograph athletes like this.
1: Um, top tip would be. Don't care about sports. Oh, <laughs> because. uh what I do on set is I let the athlete show me what they do for a living on the field. And then I try and see the art within that. And so what you end up doing is you've brought them into the creative process and they feel a lot more important to it. And, uh, and what's special is at the end of the day, um, you're all working towards that same goal. And by not, not saying not caring, cause that, kind of takes on a connotation that you're better than them and you're not. It, but by not knowing uh, everything about what they do or every move or role that they do on the field or court, um, you've let them teach you. And I believe it kind of brings a uh, a relationship together between the two of you that helps your creative process.
0: Yeah, I think, I, I, I can't, I've just got to echo, I think curiosity from the side of the photographer. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you kind of know everything about them, that kind of goes away. And I think curiosity is a wonderful driving thing for building yeah. teamwork. What's the biggest common mistake that you see with people from For lighting? myself or- uh, No, or with, with oh, other okay. photographers lighting muscular bodies.
1: Um, I didn't say they were uh, easy. <laughs> uh, it's difficult because- um, to say that it's a mistake is to say that the other person is wrong and 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 i still believe that um there's a value in everyone's photos Uh, i I don't mean to say that no one's unique but um, to say that someone's lighting is is too harsh or carries not enough shadow or form is to go against what they might be trying to express um with their own voice yeah, so as far as lighting of muscular bodies and where are people going wrong? Um the only thing that I could say as advice on set that maybe is being hindered is not taking enough time to actually stop and look at the the form that you're actually lighting. Um it's you know, it's it's special to be able to work with athletes because they are very unique in their their bodies and their shapes. And I feel fortunate to be able to photograph them because I believe it's somewhat easy. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. What's your favorite composition rule? Oh, boy. And none is, a, none is an acceptable answer here.
1: Favorite compositional rule. Um, favorite composition rule would probably be to go to the book of rules that you had in college or any other kind of school about composition and throw it out. Okay, good. Favorite drink. Oh, I love alcohol. Um, (laughs) um, Okay. So I'm going to, this is, this is going to be really specific, but um, I like uh, an old fashioned with makers, 46 Carpano Antica and then luxardo cherries with an orange that's kind of turning it into a manhattan i know um and then hand-pressed sugar and then i muddle it all together three shots of the makers about a shot or a half shot of carpano antica
0: i gotta grab something and write this down when i'm editing this i'm <laughs> I'll writing that, that too, down because my oh, wife would it. love that and i'm a whiskey drinker i'm a i'm a huge whiskey oh, fan i, I collect too. whiskeys. so
1: oh um, really i oh, yeah. oh my gosh um I we got gotta, really, We got to talk. Yeah. That's, that's the, a, that's a, that Scotch is, uh, oh, I love, uh it's a downfall.
0: <laughs> oh, I know the feeling. So what's your favorite singer band or album?
1: So, uh, you have hit on a nerve. Um, <laughs> um, I mentioned briefly earlier, and I will talk about this in the future more publicly, probably about the autism thing, but, um, My obsession with uh, music is far greater than my obsession with photography. Um, It's not even actually comparable. I am emotionally moved by music. I don't get that way about photography. Um, I have been very, very fortunate to um, have been inspired by a lot of music for for creating images. But at the end of the day... (sighs) singer album like the the truth of the matter is um i am obsessed with music um i love everything from german and swedish death metal to celine dion to Hans zimmer's orchestrals to um, even chris stapleton country um i like rap i i, I genuinely am obsessed uh, right now i've been listening to chopin at night um, when i'm going over images um and if there was one that uh, holds a special place in my heart, um, and this is because I think I told you I, I don't go to concerts because I'm scared to be around a lot of people. Um, I was very fortunate to, in high school, um, I've always loved Chris Cornell. And oh. I, uh, I like Soundgarden, and, um, and I listened to them a lot growing up. And then he, uh, in my senior year of high school, um, did a album called Euphoria Morning, which was um, uh, just him. And then he toured it. And the thing was, is it wasn't a very popular album. And so I was very fortunate to, uh, in high school, go to a performance that he did at a high school gym in downtown Phoenix to 200 people. And the crazy thing was, is there was so few people that as soon as he started, everyone walked to the stage and he went up and gave everyone a high five. And so... That one, that one's up there for me. And, uh, and his, his voice, uh, has, is, will always, um, be special to me. Yeah.
0: Good pick. Really good pick. All right. Last one.
1: Oh man. And can I throw in one more on that one? I'm so sorry. We're going back to music. Um, Heck yeah.
0: I have, you you (laughs) know, you and I have talked again before we recorded this, you know, I photograph concerts and I've been a radio for 40 years. You're talking my language.
1: Go. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, last train series I just did, um, uh, and it comes out, when's this coming out? I'm so sorry. I didn't even ask. We're
0: recording this on the 7th and it'll probably okay. come out two days
1: from now. Oh, okay. So maybe that day or a couple of days later, I'm going to release three more trains in the train series. Um, and it talks about some camera stuff. Um, but, uh, in doing that, uh, when I was out shooting the pieces, uh, Berthard Smetana, which was a 1800s uh, composer. And he had a, a, piece that he did called Vltava V L T A V A. And, um, which means the river in Czech. And, um, I found a recording from the, uh, Prague Philharmonic and, uh, I keep it on repeat and it's a really, it's that's kind of where my mind's at when I'm actually uh, shooting the trains lately. So there's, okay. sorry, I took two, two, two people. I'm sorry. Oh,
0: no, you can go all you want, man. <laughs> uh, last one yeah. is, is there a, an, a photographer that you mm-hmm. think not enough people know about that you want to
1: give a shout out to? Um, <laughs> you know, um, Can we go live or dead? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. Um, Okay. I give a couple of them if you don't mind. Um, I've always, and the sad reality is um, my inspiration uh, for my work, um, I don't look at other advertising photographers' uh, pieces, um, nor sports photographers or any. uh, um, My inspiration uh, uh, comes from... uh, Photojournalists, and um, I have just a, a really deep love for someone who's willing to uh, go into a conflict and um, try and create art while bullets are flying. And so, I mean, we are in a, an age where we're very blessed to have some really great ones. Um, it's not that people don't know about them, but like someone like Amy Vitale. Um, who is a Nikon ambassador, um, and, uh, and a good friend, um, her work's known because of it being on that geographic, but, um, who she is and the strength of her character and the quality of her person. Um, I maybe that's known as well, but people should know how incredible, uh, and brave, uh, she is another, okay. like, um, um, photographer that I, I kind of have always, um, really looked up to obviously you have your kappas um ah man if you ever find the show it is called genius of photography and it's episode three and it talks about the unknown photographers or the ones that maybe weren't as famous that covered conflict in the same way and died or gave or took great risks to do it that is that's kind of everything that inspires me still this day i look at look at black and white film or footage or images of of wars in the past and and even some of the stuff that's going on right now and and i kind of i sincerely try harder on set and i really want to be a great photographer to give dignity to those that that are doing a much more dangerous job and right. maybe I hate to say it, like it's, you know, these wharf drivers are not making a lot, but they're taking so much risk. And it's for a lot of times the um, passion uh, for what we get to do. I consider what I do very lucky. And it's special to me because I don't step into a hostile environment. And the worst I ever get is a celebrity that hasn't had lunch. And that's happened. But for me um, to even be in the same field or genre as those as those men and women I Dude, I I wish I could give a specific name, but to everyone listening, just go and look at those types well, of images and know. <laughs> like and I'll yeah. throw
0: out, I just recently, a month yeah. or two months, whatever it was ago, had Estra Suarez on, two-time okay. Pulitzer Prize winner, a yeah. phenomenal photographer. Go check out that show. And again, yeah, there's... there's yeah. Ph- Photojournalism to me is the root of what I do as well, although yeah. my, my photography and music photography can be art too, but... If people it's want awkward, to, man, it's just yeah, it's all, an it's expression all art, of it exactly. Yeah. And so that you know, the ones that that Blair just mentioned, I will put in the show notes at behindtheshot.tv. So go check that out, Blair. If people Thanks. want to find you, I have been putting lower thirds up uh, okay. below you. So if you're watching the video, you'll see them. If you're not watching the video, those links are all in the show notes as well at behindtheshot.tv but at least your main website which has links to your blog and your facebook and yeah, your instagram right. and your twitter uh what is your website
1: um it's just my name blairbunting.com um is it spelled out oh it's at the bottom if they're driving well if you're driving you shouldn't be looking it up so just go and look at the the, the show notes because i'm not kind of getting anyone on an accident my work's not yeah. that good <laughs>
0: blair blairbunting.com is easy just do that and yep. if you search for blairbunting on google which is how i found some of his links you'll find all of them out there. Blair, thank you so much for doing this. Man. Thank I you. Really I really it. appreciate we it. We've got to talk
1: whiskey now. <laughs> definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. So to everybody, again, and a big thank you to my guest, Blair, uh, for being on the show, Canon Explorer of Light. Thank you so much for doing this. And to everybody else, head to the website, behindtheshot.tv, and you can find the show notes. I wrote a little bit about Blair. I've got a small gallery of his work there and links to Everywhere you can find him. Of course, you can find me at stevebrazil.com. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, you can do that as well. It's at Steve Brazzle or uh, Behind the Shot TV, at behind, at behind the Shot TV on either one of those. And that makes it easy. If you're watching on YouTube, please go down, hit the subscribe button, click the bell. That way, again, you're notified every time something goes up new. But if you want to you know, watch or listen to this show in a podcast app, you can do that too. Just go search for Behind the Shot there's two different results that will come back. One of them is audio only, and one of them is video. And last but not least, again, to my friends over at DVE Store, thank you so much for setting me up with HD video for this because now my guests are going to come in looking way better than they have in the past, so thank you for that. If you want to ever reach out to me, please hit me up on social media. I'm Steve Brazzle. This is Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you on the next show. Thank <music> you.